Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Jess is out on Monday. Matt Arnold's filling in for him today. Wow, we just had our spiritual warfare conference. I'm going to give you guys an update like you were in my living room talking about this. Wow, it's powerful. Today's topic, unbelievable. Chinese province forbids parents of school children to hold or practice their religious belief. And when I tell you what's going on in China, my heart goes out to our brothers and sisters in China. And I just would pray that the Holy See would stop making deals with atheistic communist governments because we always lose. Also, this is a big topic because we do a couple hundred funerals at our chapel every year. And it, regarding cremation, the alkaline uh, hydrosis of human compo- compositing. And basically, they want to use grandma when, they, when she dies to uh, use her as fertilizer and the flowers at the home. That's not uh, what Catholic Church teachings teach. And we want to cover a lot of other issues about burials and what the church is expecting us to do, especially offering Holy Mass for anybody who dies. So that'll be a good topic. Also, just a good-to-know file, the Nordic bishops issued a letter affirming church teachings on human sexuality. We're talking about Sweden, Norway, Finland, Denmark, Iceland. You know, I think they're doing this because of what hap- what's happening in Germany. And so I want to commend them as bishops and say, God bless them for speaking out. Because you know what they said? which I thought was, we would let you down if we offered you less. Yeah, we'd offer you down. You're also going to be having some issues at your exit interview if you're not doing your duty by teaching the apostolic teachings of the church on any of our teachings. So God bless those bishops. Also, good to know, file. Arizona Supreme Court orders the lower court to reconsider the Kerry Lakes ballot signature. Jesse's going to be a happy camper to hear that. <laughs> because if that happens, the, the well, the... Um, uh, they could change governorship right there if that happens. And this might be something that could affect other elections. And so this is quite interesting what's going to develop there. Matt Arnold, thank you again for joining us here on the Terry and Jesse Show. My pleasure, Terry, and a uh, blessed passion tide for you and your family. Absolutely. I can't wait to have you read that gospel. I, I, I told Matt off the air. I'll just say it on the air, too. I said, Matt, we've got the... Uh, the gospel where the woman was caught in adultery. And what, what was your comment, Matt? I said, <laughs> I just, w- without hesitating, I said, oh, that's my favorite. <laughs> and I said, now that's entertaining. I said, you got to tell me, what did you, why is it? And I think you're going to get to that when we have that gospel. Matt, I just want to update everybody, if I could, a little bit about the Spiritual Warfare Conference. During the conference, sure. I kept getting texts saying, wow, this is powerful. We brought Bishop Joseph Strickland from Tyler Diocese out with Father Chad Ripperger. Let me just tell you, when he got here, Father uh, Bishop Strickland went to a cloistered nun, nunnery, basically a convent that prayed for priests in front of the Blessed Sacrament 24 hours, seven days a week. So I called my friends and said, sisters, can the bishop come? And boy, they were just so ecstatic. They said, would you take us as, spiritual, as, your, as your spiritual children, please? Wow. I mean, that was powerful. Experience. I, yeah. I mean, they were crying when the bishop left and they were singing you know, uh, songs to Our Lady as we left mm-hmm. the parking lot. I was like, well, this is something I won't ever forget, Matt. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, and then and we— what, And what an appropriate response, too. Yeah. You know? I mean— Yeah, it was powerful. And then I took the bishop up to the mountain where Bishop O'Connell blessed the four corners of Southern California almost two years to the date. So I brought Bishop, o, bishop Joseph Strickland up there. He did the same thing, but what he did, and we had a, a drone up in the air. We filmed it all. He power preached about not being in fearful 
of any coronavirus, anything this on this planet. The only thing we should fear is uh, being in mortal sin. And he said it's easy not to be in mortal sin by living the sacramental graces of the church and uh, to persevere. So it was a great experience. All that's going to be edited, and you, our listener, will be able to watch that on our website someday. I, I would say in the next week or two, we'll have it edited. And then, of course, I brought the good bishop to men uh, who uh, come to our chapel every Saturday morning at 6 a.m. to pray the rosary in Latin, I might add, on their knees, I might add. And these are really hardcore guys. So we had a nice dinner with uh, the good bishop and Father Chad Ripperger and his crew. So it was great. And then, of course, the conference started. I could probably talk the whole hour. I won't for you folks. But I guarantee you, if you need to get copies of all the talks, go to vmpr.org and download all those talks. You won't want to miss that. All right. Right. And I just said another reminder that they're still being edited, so they're not available right this minute, but they will be shortly. Yeah, there you go. And then, Matt, one more quick note. One of the psychiatrists all the way from London, England, flew in for the conference. And he texted me and said, can I, can I, have a, can I open up a, a, uh, a substation for Virgin Most Powerful Radio in London? We, I think we could use it here. So I found oh, that was pretty yeah. funny. But he was, I met him, and uh, we, uh, we gave him uh, a California uh, hospitality. We picked him up and brought him to the, uh, to the uh, conference from um, his hotel room. I thought, well, if he can go all the way from London, England to uh, Pomona, <laughs> California, we can give him a ride to the conference. There you go. All right, Matt. Well, go. well, well, let's get into the gospel. We call it soul food when Jesse's here. It's the gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 1 to 11. Yes, all right. Today's Holy Gospel. And it is the uh, um, on the bishop's website here. They say it's the fifth week of Lent, which is correct. It's also the beginning, traditionally, of the yep. two weeks that are known as Passion Tide. Right. right. We started yesterday with Passion Sunday, and here the gospel for the Monday of Passion Tide. Mm-hmm. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, but early in the morning he arrived again in the temple area, and all the people started coming to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and made her stand in the middle. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? Mm. They said this to test him so that they could have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger. But when they continued asking him, he straightened up and said to them, Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he bent down and wrote on the ground, and in response they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. Mm. So he was left alone with the woman before him. Then Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She replied, No one, sir. Then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on do not sin any more. Thus far the words of the Holy Gospel. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Well, I said <laughs> this was my favorite, not because it's about adultery. I understand. <laughs> I thought it was funny, though, when you told me that. So go ahead and give yeah. us your thoughts, your comments. Well, um, you know, there's one of the reasons that it's one of my favorites is because it's um, it's misunderstood as as so much of John's gospel is, you know, you you see the the various Jesus movies and this episode comes up and the the woman is brought before our Lord and uh, and he says, let him who is without sin 
among you cast the first stone. And everybody starts looking kind of guilty and kicking their insteps and, uh, okay, well, and they walk off one, well, you know, but there's more going on here. The, the important verses said they, they did this to test him. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, and first off, we should note that, uh, um, according to the old law, the, 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 Pharisees that brought him or her to him were already disregarding the law because according to Leviticus 20 and Deuteronomy 22, both the man and the woman yeah. were to be stoned. That's right. Right. This was all about a trap. They're just trying to trick Jesus into um, saying something they, they will be able to accuse him of. If he says she should not be stoned, they'd accuse him of violating the law of Moses. If he said, yes, go ahead and execute it, they'd report him to the Romans right. who didn't permit the Jews to carry out their own executions. So they figure he's, uh, as they used to the popular expression, damned if you, you do, damned if you don't. Exactly. Right? You put him in an impossible position. Right. And, of course, Jesus upheld the legal penalty for adultery, which is stoning. So yep. he couldn't be accused against the law. But by saying that, you know, let the him among you is without fin cast the first stone, he was highlighting the importance of compassion and forgiveness. But it was more than that, because the Pharisees, because they followed all 633, uh, you know, parts of the Jewish law, every every jot and tittle to the point of, you know, tithing their dill and cumin, mm -hmm. um, they considered themselves perfect. They said they were perfect. They said, we follow the law. We're without sin. You're a sinner. We're without sin. Right. And so he just turned it on him and said, okay, go ahead and stone her, starting with you guys. Yep. And then we can see there's, there's and it's, there's humor here too. Sure. Because it says that, um, they, they began to leave one by one, beginning with the elders, starting with the eldest, right? Because they're the ones who figured it out the first. Sure. Like, uh-oh, he turned it around on us. Maybe we better, you know, uh, get out of Dodge, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and then, of course, uh, he turns to the woman and says, does no one condemn you? But it's really important to notice that while he did not condemn that woman accused of adultery, he didn't uh, ignore or condone her sin. Mm -hmm. He said to leave off her life of sin, go and sin no more. Right. Right. There's no absolution without contrition. Right. So, you know, go and sin no more. And, you know, with God's help, we can accept Christ's forgiveness and grace to stop doing the things in our life. And that's what this whole season is that's all right. about. That's right. Is, is it, you know, losing that attachment to sin. Also, I'd point out the uh, when he's drawing with his or writing with his finger on the ground, it says doesn't say what he was writing. Right. If he was, was he just, you know, trying to ignore them or was he some, the fathers say, he's writing out the Ten Commandments or he was writing out the personal sins of the Pharisees. We don't know. But what we do know is that in the Holy Gospel, the only time we see Jesus writing is here. That's true. Right. Because uh, it was it was the apostles and apostolic men who wrote the Gospels. Well, now you have it, I know? feel a little better now that why you explained <laughs> why this was your favorite Presage, uh, you know, one of the favorite gospel readings. Now I got it. Hey, when we come back, Matt, I want to talk about our brothers and sisters in China, communist China. Mm. Very difficult to live the Catholic faith there because the government is undermining every inch of where you go and monitoring you. And so we want to talk about our brothers and sisters in China and pray for them and also pray for the Holy See to give them the support they need to live their faith and not support the atheistic communist government in China. Stay with us, family. This is the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Matt Arnold filling in for Jess on Monday today. Matt, I want to bring the smartest guy into the room right now. Full sheen ahead. 
And I thought this quote from him really applies from the weekend spiritual warfare conference and what we're all setting up to do during this Lent uh, when, in regards to our conscience. Bishop Sheen says, be mindful that a happy conscience makes a happy outlook on life. <laughs> Imagine that. And a unhappy conscience makes us miserable on the inside and everyone else miserable on the outside. Now, I'm just going to give you my take, and I want to hear yours. My take is, he just gave the answer to the situation in the world today, and that is, have an informed conscience, live by the commandments, live according to God's uh, you know, commandments of God about how we should live our life. Your conscience will be clear, and, and you'll have an informed conscience, and you'll be happy. You know why? Because you're not doing your will, you're doing the, the Father's will. And so this really is the antidote, in my humble opinion, of why the world is in chaos. We're almost at another third world war right now. I think it's because we, are, we don't have a, uh, conscience, a, a, a conscience that says, I want to do it his way. It's all about the unholy trinity, you know, my joke, the me, myself, and I. And so this right. statement by Bishop Sheen is really an answer to the world's seek, uh, the world looking for meaning and purpose. I, I agree, Terry. You know, my patron saint is St. Sir Thomas More. Yep. And when he was executed, you know, of course, they, they write all this stuff down. So we have his last words. Yeah. We have savings. He, there was a there was a custom at the time that the executioner, mm-hmm. the headsman, yeah. would kneel before the person he was going to execute and ask forgiveness. Incredible. And, uh, and... St. Sir Thomas More said, be not afraid of your office. You send me to heaven. Because his conscience was clear. You see? There you go. Right? And so he wasn't, he wasn't sad about, you know, I'm, I'm sure he would have preferred to live, but, but he went there calm, confident. He, he paid the uh, executioner, right? so they would give him a couple of pennies to make sure that they got it in one stroke, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. little little uh, little tip or a little bribe, and and he forgave him. Be not afraid of your office, and he said, "I die today, the king's good servant, but God's first. Yeah, well, and that is that is the key to to living a, a not only just a happy life but a peaceful life. You know, Thomas More said this: "Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal." So, right there, it is. That says it all to me. All right, Matt, Matt, I want to get into this because I have to set the stage. I've, I've, been, I've met many Chinese Catholics over the years, over the last decade, here living in the San Gabriel Valley. And I've even had some of them on the radio over the years mm-hmm. talk about the persecuted church in China and how they have written letters to the Holy See telling them, don't sign that agreement with our atheistic communist government. It's going to be a bad deal for us, the faithful. Protect us. Don't do it. Well, they did it. And mm-hmm. what we're seeing right now is tremendous persecution uh, in China and certain parts, especially China, in parts of China where Christianity is strong, up to like 10% of the population. They really are going after them. But, you know, Matt, before I get into this, we have a history of persecution it it doesn't mm. stop us. It actually makes us grow. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. The blood of the martyrs is yep. the seed of the church. Right. Is the old expression. Yes. And it is. It's you know. Tell me. I'm you. You say this all the time. I'm in sales, not in management. That's correct. And, and 
obviously that's true for me as well. We're yeah. lay people. We're not in charge of yeah. of the governance of the church. That is a grace given to uh, our Lord bishops. Yep. But this agreement that yeah. that, that was made with China and these yeah. during the current pontificate yes. is just puzzling. You know, especially after so many years of policy to the contrary, mm-hmm. the idea that uh, that the Vatican would urge Catholics in China to capitulate and be Come a part of the state-run, you know, the People's Catholic Church, they call it. Um, you know that what that does, of course, is is put a target on the back of every practicing Catholic in the country. If they're all, you know, that's why I think your Chinese friends say, no, we would prefer to be underground, right? Then, because not only are they then complicit in whatever their government is doing, right? But um, you know, there's an article on LifeSite News that uh, was talking about the, the current situation. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but yeah. uh, they've got a new app. Right. Apparently they do in China. They, uh, you know, with uh, that uh, lists everybody by their, you know, that, that everybody that practices any kind of religion is now being, you know, tracked via their Monitored. smartphone. Yep, exactly. You know, so it does not bode well that in the fact, of course, that the Chinese patriotic association, the people's church, whatever it is, uh, it now has a hand in selection of bishops. Right. Which and, is, uh, you know, that that's just, that really doesn't bode well for our Chinese Catholic friends. And in addition to that, the efforts in China to curb the growth of Christianity, we back even in 2014, so we knew this about them. The communist government began tearing down and removing crosses in a large-scale persecution that went unabated for more than two years. Then in 2017... Minors were outright forbidden from attending church services or even entering a church. Matt, can you imagine? You and I both raised a family. You got half a mm-hmm. dozen children. I mean, it's on your watch, and the government's going to tell you, Matt Arnold, Betty, you guys can't bring your children into church because the government's not going to let you do that. Uh, are you kidding me? I mean, yeah. th- this is what we're dealing with, my friend. Right, and that was the news from Friday that uh, the the uh, Chinese province of Wenzhou, yep. or no, there's the city of Wenzhou, Wenzhou yep. in the Chinese province of Zhejiang, yep. sent their parents of the kindergarten kids yeah. a quote-unquote pledge form of commitment for family not to hold religious beliefs. That's correct. <laughs> so, you know, they're saying that, that uh, and this is according to China Aid, which is a human rights and religious liberty right. you know, advocate group. Right. They say that uh, uh, you know a preschool teacher in Wenzhou confirmed that it was the first such mandate in the province, and the pledge, I guess, it was issued by the schools to the parents and guardians of, of their students, and included not just that numerous commitments to which they had to agree. Right, they have to be wholeheartedly uh, prescribing any kind of religious belief or practice. Right, affirm that they don't hold religious beliefs, they don't participate huh. in religious activities, they won't promulgate or propagate or disseminate disseminate religion anywhere, any location, yeah. not just at the school, but even in private. And it also enjoined on them, quote, exemplary observance of the party discipline and the country's laws and regulations. You know, incredible. Um, it's, and it's and it instructed the parents never join any religious organization. Yeah. yeah. You know, apparently in the past, uh, for, for higher level education, they, you know, there was a compulsory, yeah. Uh, uh, not to be superstitious, not to participate in, in cult organizations or right. whatever. Right. But it, it didn't mandate that families couldn't believe in religion or participate in any religious activities. Right. You know, that you talk about persecution. That's that's a hundred and percent. You know, to say no, no, uh, 
no religious participation at all. Yeah, I, you see, I just don't get it either. I mean, this is something that the Vatican needs to go to bat for the Christians and Catholics that are in China. And just recently, and I'll set the stage here, Stephen Mosner, a friend of the show, I've known Stephen for 35 years. He's a convert to the Catholic faith. Back in the mm-hmm. late 70s, he exposed the one-child program in China and got booted out of China when he was going to Stanford University. He did his dissertation on all this and paid a price. But Stephen uh, Mosner pointed out that in December of 2021, a speech at the National Conference of Work Related to Religious Affairs, the CCP, the General Secretary, Jinping, emphasized that religion and religious organizations must, not have an option, must be actively guided to the uh, to adapt to the socialist society and that those working on religious affairs with the party must take the call it sinization sinization of religion as their major task now Stephen Mosner is no dummy I mean this guy's really up on China he spent you know three or four decades touching on this he said that mm-hmm. this sums up this task of sinization as the absolute control of all religions not just Catholic Matt any religion by the Chinese Communist Party. And at least there will be any misunderstanding that that synodization simply means making a modest adoption adoption to Chinese culture. So the uh, Ping, the Chinese president, stated that synodization means that all religious communities should be led by the party, controlled by the party and support of the party. I would have said the Communist Party party, atheistic communist party. Right. So, so this is what we're up against. And he's also warned some other things, but I want to hear your thoughts on that, Matt. Well, again, I don't know all the particulars of the Vatican's current diplomatic agreement with the People's Republic Nobody of Nobody does, Matt. Know, yeah, we don't know all the it's, ins and outs of it, obviously. Hidden. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't understand why this wouldn't be a deal breaker. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it's like there must be there must be some kind of red line. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but you know, the, certainly there there must have been some provision. Yes. But uh, but the 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 thing that hits me Dumb. the strongest is the way that the church has been two thousand years now, and we've had some episodes. Not every Catholic has been you know perfect in their uh, uh, practice of the faith, but we have never the church has never endorsed coercion. Right. Right. You know, you, you don't say, OK, hey, you know, going to put a gun to your head and be Catholic or else. And there's a very simple reason that was uh, said by St. Augustine. He said he who is convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Ah. And that's the thing when you when you get into to communism, even even egalitarian societies like our own. Yes. You, you know, it's COVID wasn't that long ago, no. and we had some pretty draconian mandates coming down Absolutely. about what people had to do or, or yep. couldn't do. Yep. Uh, I won't go into the the Affordable Care Act and and you know what the havoc that's played in in the lives of my own family, yeah. but I will say this: that you can't control what people think, you can't control how they feel, and that's why every time one of these regimes falls, all the Christians come out of the woodwork because they were Christian all along. Yeah. No matter, no matter, you know, the, the, the persecution, because that's that's what Christians are. That's what they do. Uh, the kingdom of God is within you, as our, our good Lord himself said. Yeah. And it can't be taken away. 
Well, you know, they can take away they can take away the mass, maybe they can take away you, they can you know take away your priests, but they can't take the faith away from you. Well, well, man, I'm going to give an analogy. All analogies limp some, but mm-hmm. you and I are dads. I always bring things back to the family. If the government came and said to us as fathers that your children are not going to be able to live their spiritual life, we are going to stop anything that deals with you know, anything on the Catholic faith, uh, and I need you to sign off on this. Okay? So you sign that off and say, yes, that's okay. You can do that for my six children, and I can do it for my four children. I feel like that would be, um, you know, a a very tragic thing to do, and I think this is the analogy the Vatican is doing, because when I come back, Matt, Stephen Mosier is going to say what this actually means is what I just said. It's that the death of their spiritual life in China. And you're signing off on that? Matt, I don't think you'd do that. I don't think I would. And I don't want to see the Vatican do that. Stay with us, family. We'll have more on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Matt Arnold filling in for Jess here on a Monday, the day after our spiritual warfare conference. Wow. If you didn't get a chance, I know we're editing some of that material, but you'll be able to get every word. You won't miss a word. Just go to our vmpr.org website. Sometime this week we should have it up. Matthew, I'm talking about, we're talking about together, the persecution of the church in China. I just used an analogy and people are saying, yeah, that's it spiritual father you and i are fathers we have families to protect your wife and children if somebody comes in to especially i mean i get the physical part okay yeah mm-hmm. we're gonna defend mm-hmm. your kids and wife i get it but we also have a moral obligation to defend the spiritual lives of our children and holy mother right. the church is our spiritual father the bishops the priests the bo- the pope these guys all have a responsibility to defend us especially when it comes to the deposit of our faith. And what's happening in China, uh, Stephen Mosner, he's warning that all of this is meaning a total exclusion of the Catholic Church in China. And we're signing off on that? I'm sorry, that makes no sense. He says, there is no room in the formulation for the Catholic Church or any other religious organization in China to operate independently of the Communist Party control. See, that's why we can't sign off on that, because what we're mm-hmm. saying is, and I'm going to be as brutal as, I mean, I'll try to be as charitable as possible, Matt, but what we're signing off as the Catholic Church is saying, you folks out there in China, we're not going to protect you. Devil's advocate, I don't know what may have been threatened or, or you know, what things that are, you know, outside of our uh, yeah, information, uh, knowledge, you know, and, and even and even the agreement itself, you know, is not something that's been made public. We don't know quite you know, what was uh, what was agreed to. Right. But I always, you know, I, I know that when it comes to the the lay person, the regular person, um, we, you know, think of this song of the scaffold, right? Think of those nuns that uh, oh, yeah. French Revolution, the nuns of the Carmelites of Campaign who went yeah. to their went to their death singing, you know, uh, or, or go to the old Testament even. And the mother of the seven Maccabees yes. who watched her sons be being, uh, brutally executed one after the other. 
because they wouldn't Compromise. renounce their faith. Right. You know, we do have, there are precedents, let me put it that way. Yes. <laughs> you know, so whatever decisions are being made on that macro level, you know, our job is to remain faithful. Yeah. You know, this, remember that song, Faith of Our Fathers? Great song. You know, we will, we will be true to thee till death. Yep. Right. Or the old act of faith. This is the, the I, in this faith, I hope to live and die. And, you, you know, know it, it's, yeah. it's, it's a commitment. You, you got a good point there. I would say this. When you fall in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church, and you really buy into its, its teachings, these perennial teachings, things like persecution, things like, uh, oh, um, uh, you can't, uh, we're going to tax you extra dollars for being a Catholic. They make you go like, and this is what, I mean, when COVID came through and they wanted to charge us the, because we kept our church open, so what? That's just, mm-hmm. I look at it as, it's the price of doing business. What I mean by business? Sharing the gospel. And, right. and, and, and so I have a question, really, in my mind, is are we going more with the world the, the, you know, that says, hey, you got to put up with us no matter what, you got to do it our way or the highway, and I just think, you know, we have to say no, because all the saints that we have over the 2,000 years never said, oh, well, well, we'll compromise on this issue if you compromise on that. It seems like that the, the chief executive of that department of compromises is the devil. Mm-hmm. You know what? I, I would uh, tell our good friends listening yeah. to, you know, you can go, if you're online, you can go online, search uh, quotes from Alexander Pope. You know, Alexander, Alexander Pope was, was yeah. a, uh, yeah, famously a Catholic uh, living in England during the time of the Reformation. That's right. And so much of what Pope said has, was, uh, is a part of our public consciousness that we don't even realize that I didn't know that. Uh, you know, probably my philosophy of life, even before I became a Catholic, is, you know, blessed is he who expects nothing because he won't be disappointed. It's, that's my line. <laughs> well, but that's that comes from Alexander Pope, as does to err is human, to forgive is divine. Yes. Fools rush in where angels fear to tread. A yes. little learning is a dangerous thing. All of those things are traceable <laughs> to this one genius of a guy who was living under this, you know, uh, uh, genuine persecution yeah, that's right. as a Catholic oh, in Protestant point. England. Great point. You know, so, so we have, we have lots of, and he's not a saint, but you know, he's a great example. And, and, and we can see how influential this man was who, you know, would not be convinced against his will. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's say a little prayer for our folks and our brothers and sisters in China, and then we'll move on to our next project. Let's pray yeah. a hail Mary for them. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is. The Lord is with thee. Blessed, blessed art thou uh, amongst women. Women. And blessed. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary. Holy Mary, Mother of God. Pray for, pray for us sinners now, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Let's keep praying Amen. for those persecuted Catholics and Christians all over the world. All right, Matt, we're going to shift gears, and I, I know you're ready for it because you and I have been discussing this topic <laughs> of, you know, death at this time of Lent. Yes. Why is, why is death and judgment so important at this particular time of the liturgical year? Well, the four last things, je- death, judgment, heaven, and hell, that's something that the Catholics should be thinking about all the time, frankly. <laughs> yes, of you course. Know, it, it is particularly fruitful uh, source of meditation during Lent oh, as yeah. we 
you know, uh, approach the Easter Triduum, yeah. you know, Good Friday and all of that. No, as Bishop Sheen said, there's no Easter Sunday without Good Friday. Amen. And we'll all face our Good Friday yep. and we need to be prepared for it. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be uh, caught unprepared. I remember Bishop Sheen used to tell this uh, wonderful story uh, many years ago about a man who lived a life uh, rather libertine. You know, he lived as if there were no God and his friends right. warned him, you know, if you continue living that way, you're, you know, you're risk not going to heaven. And he said, I'm not afraid. I know that all I have to do uh, before I die is say three words, just my Jesus mercy, and I know he'll forgive me, and I'll go to heaven. Hmm. And uh, one day he was riding his horse across the bridge, and his horse threw him, and as he fell into the uh, ravine, they heard him say three words, I'll be damned. (laughs) Well said. (laughs) It's a great story. And the point is, of course, he didn't live uh, you know, in, in a way that was conducive to have that sentiment when the end actually came for him. Yeah. Right. He he died the way he lived. Of course. And that's and that's all of us. And that's exactly. so important to remember exactly. that uh, also um, the Virgin Most Powerful. I know that there's people listening to this on radio, on local Catholic radio. Support your local Catholic radio station. Absolutely. They're awesome. <clears throat> but I want you to know that Virgin Most Powerful radio is where Internet radio podcasts, uh, technically, and we have a whole um, schedule of programs every weekday, and that includes on Mondays a a program from the Knights of Columbus called Night Moves, Right. and their show today is from the Knights of Columbus motto, Tempus Fugit Memento Mori, which is Time Flies, Remember Death. (laughs) So that's a good thing. You might want to go to vmpr.org and check that out. Well, Matt, we want to talk about these funerals. We have a couple hundred funerals here at our chapel, as you know, and mm-hmm. I'm always talking to people who have lost a loved one. And uh, the bishops have come out and uh, condemning this idea that uh, this uh, acaline hydrogelus and human composting. Uh, yeah, I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> yes, yeah, like, that's, that's I didn't really say that slow. And I, I've known mm-hmm. about it for a couple of years because I deal with a lot of uh, mortuaries. And um, I knew that uh, the, the church didn't approve of it. They came out March 15th with a committee approval saying that, yeah, this is not the way to go. I wanted to, uh, I, I wanted to ask you, because I know you and I discussed this, uh, why, what the church really teaches about respect for, human, uh, for a human body at the, at the time of death and also for the eternal soul, because this really is, you know, we said life is short, eternity is forever, but this really is an important, most important part of our life is when we die and we get judged, uh, whether we're going to spend all eternity in heaven or hell or long time in purgatory. This is where it all comes down to. But I want to ask you specifically, and we only have a minute or two in this segment, and we'll right. finish it on the last, and that is um, your take on this issue of what they're trying to kind of bl- uh, blur out where you know, a certain person lives, they they die, and then they're going to put them into fertilizer for grandma's, was so nice with her, uh, <laughs> her rose bushes. Let's give grandma back to the ground so that she can fertilize the rose bush. It almost sounds like someone from a movie or something that's not true, but it's actually happening. Well, it's, um, the problem, of course, is that it, it's, it's paganism. Yes, it is. Only- you know, I mean, that it's even when, when you talk about, and we'll talk about this on the other side, but, yeah. uh, um, cremation, you know, the, the church allows cremation now, but you're not to spread ashes. So, oh, Bob loved the ocean so much. We're going to throw his 
going to burn him down to ashes and throw his mortal remains yeah. on the waves. It's like, okay, that's, that's a very pagan sentiment. Yes. Okay. He, uh, Bob, his soul's going to heaven, but heaven isn't his final destination. Right. His final destination is the, the new heavens and the new earth where he will be reunited with his body, that body that was during his life, the temple of the Holy Ghost. That is, is when he was in a state of grace, his temple housed the persons of the Trinity. They were present within him. His body is something that deserves a great deal of respect. And it goes all the way back to the Old Testament. Like I say, we can talk about that. Yeah. But we have that, you know, this this very either this this uh, dualist idea yeah, it is dual. that, that spirit good yeah. flesh unimportant. Exactly. Which is not because you're gonna spend eternity in your body. And remember the church says you mentioned cremation, it only allowed it with conditions. One yes, is that we'll talk, yeah, we're, we're going to talk about. Well, I want to talk about them on the other side of the break because it's important <coughs> yeah, to know more you can't put one. grandma or grandpa <laughs> up on your fireplace, uh, you know, mantle uh, or in the kitchen or uh, because uh, this yeah. is not the dignity of the body that served the uh, person for all their life. This is something the church is going to uh, say that it needs to be interned, and we'll and talk on, about on that. that. Yeah, on that note, uh, I'll sure. give a little teaser here yeah, good. there are practices of um, that are becoming very popular using people's cremains that are going to if, if, if you're not shocked by it you, then oh, you must be, you already know unbelievable <laughs> stay with us family this is the terry and jesse show matt arnold sitting in for jess when we come back we'll talk more about what the church's teachings are regarding burial when someone dies and how we have a dignity in that stay with us family we'll be back with more on the terry and jesse show Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Jesse, on Mondays, we'll be actually doing some Spanish radio. And so I wanted to inform you, Matt Arnold and Father Charles Murr will be filling in on Mondays. So it's usually the first and third Monday Father Murr will be here, and the other Mondays, Matt Arnold. I couldn't think of two people I'd want to have on filling in for Jess on Monday. So, Matt, thanks so much for doing that. Well, thank you, Terry. It's an honor to be here, as oh, always. It is. It's an honor to talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, anywhere, any day. Amen. Matt, are we, I, you promised you were going to talk a little bit about the issue of, of uh, well, the uh, cremation, the issue of a burial, and what the Church actually teaches on that. So I'm going to turn it right over to you. Well, yeah, a couple of uh, things. I had a, a friend of mine a number of years ago went to work for the Neptune Society, oh, yeah. which uh, is a, a cremation service. And I had uh, another friend, a lady, well, an acquaintance of mine, say that um, you know her husband's mother had died and been cremated, and the ashes were apparently divvied up amongst the children. Oh, my gosh. Uh, her husband and his sisters. And so... They took the the uh, remains or cremains, as they call them, that were given to them and had them interred at a local Catholic cemetery, the sepulchre here up the road. Good. And uh, um, but I, I asked them at the time, I said, OK, did you inform the, the cemetery that it was only a quote unquote, what she called a partial burial? Mm hmm. You know, did you tell the diocese about this? Did you, did you talk to your parish priest? You know, and, and if not, I said, you know. Well, first off, he said yes, and I, I wondered what's the justification for, for permitting it, because it seems irregular to me. Of course. And, and, and I would have been interested, and, and if not, you know, 
uh, I said, maybe you should advise them, maybe get some guidance on this. And the point is that it is becoming more and more common for, as you say, you put grandma's ashes on the mantelpiece. I mean, that was one thing. But these days... It's even going farther. Yeah. Well, of course, and then we, they've always had the people that, you know, the Neptune Society originally it was a uh, burial at sea. Yes, that was it. They're still thinking yes, about that. We were put into the ocean, yep. um, and which is actually okay. Not scattered, though. You can't scatter them onto the waters. You can you can take the cremains in, in a container and, and put them in the ocean, you know, as, as a burial at sea. But uh, but you can't scatter them, you know, oh, this was his favorite McDonald's. So we're mm-hmm. going to scatter the ashes in the parking lot or whatever. Um, but it's what it came to my attention that in recent years, uh, cremation services have started offering, oh, jewelry, for example, yep. earrings yep. and and necklaces and rings that have some of the, the deceased's cremains within them. Mm-hmm. Oh, I always get to carry a little bit of, you know, grandma around with me. And it's like, OK, that's just that's so contrary. Of course. To uh, the dignity of uh, the body that is should be expected to be shown by Catholics. I, I mentioned the Old Testament. It's in the book of Tobit in, in chapter two. Tobit, during the Feast of Weeks, that's the Jewish Pentecost, mm-hmm. uh, he gets up from the festal table because he hears that uh, an Israelite has been murdered in the town. And and so he goes, uh, you know, in the marketplace. And even though Shalmaneser of Nineveh, which is where he resided, had proclaimed it death to bury the dead, you know, uh, Tobit risked execution to bring the corpse into his house so that after the sun went down, he would be able to to go and, and bury him. And of course, we read about his, you know, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked. It's all about the works of mercy. And that's the way that the church looks at this, to bury the dead. It's one of the corporal works of mercy. Right. Catechism says the works of mercy are charitable actions by which we come to the aid of our neighbor in his spiritual and bodily necessities. The corporal works of mercy consist especially in feeding the hungry, sheltering the homeless, clothing the naked, visiting the sick, and and imprisoned and burying the dead. So cremation is allowed by the church today, mm-hmm. but it, it was first banned in, back in the fifth century because the pagans were burning the remains of, of Christian martyrs right. to say, ha ha, no resurrection uh, from exactly. the dead for them. And and of course the church taught from the, from the beginning when this first started happening back in the third century, when we came out of the catacombs, became the official teaching of the church that no, it doesn't matter what happens to your mortal body. God will be able to raise you from the dead on the last day. The point is the reason we don't do the cremation is because of our belief in the resurrection of the dead and our respect for the body uh, on earth as having been the dwelling place exactly. of the presence of God. You know, Matt, you actually said it better than the bishop's statement. <laughs> I'm going to give what—no, I'm serious. It's, well, it's said more ahead, succinctly. Yeah. They said that this, that they approved the statement March 15th, that they uh, affirms that every human being has been created in the image of God and has an inherent dignity of worth. Furthermore, since every man and woman is a unity of body and soul, respect for the person necessarily includes respect, okay, and for their body— clearly expresses faith, hope, in the resurrection of the body. While the church permits cremation unless it's chosen for reasons contrary to the faith, like denying the resurrection, right? And we prefer, and I want people to understand, a Methodist burial. Okay, that's the church. Applying this basic principle found in the instructions regarding the burial of deceased people in the ashes, here's what they have to say, which I think is important to include, that... Human composting 
and concludes that they fail to satisfy the church's requirement for a proper respect for the bodies of the dead. So after this process, are you ready? And just, it's kind of icky to have to say this, but the process, mm-hmm. there's about 100 gallons of liquid into which the greater part of the body has been dissolved, and this liquid is treated as wastewater at the end of the human compost composting process. Okay? So I just want you to know that that's how the process is. So it doesn't, it's, it's you know, what's left over and the body is laid to rest in a sa- should be laid in a, a sacred place. Not so. The doctrinal committee concluded that the statements recalling that the Catholic faith teaches us that our ultimate destiny as human beings includes our bodiness. We are therefore obliged to respect our body existence throughout the lives and to respect uh, the witness of our faith and the hope for what God has promised us. What's God promised us? We live a faithful life. Heaven. And you know what, Jesse? Or Jesse. Sorry, man. I, I waited All right. into the pro program to call you Jesse. <laughs> I, I, my point, though, to you is we have the, the belief that body and soul will reunite at the end of all time. So you see why mm-hmm. we say that the body is sacred. So we just don't you know, do what we want and put it into any liquid form and throw it into the garden and say, that's fertilizer. Grandma always loved the, the, the lilies or the, the flowers. I mean— this is a pagan practice, right? Well, you know, think of think of the uh, um, in the gospel. Okay. Our good Lord talks about in the Valley of Hinnom. There was a place where um, trash and uh, was burned, yeah. and that included the the Everybody. bodies of the, those who had been executed. That yeah. would have been the fate of our good Lord if it had been for Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. That's right. Uh, going to Pilate and asking for his body so that it could be given a proper burial. Good point. Um, and Gehenna was the image that place where the 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 worm never stops and and the fire never goes out was what he used as an earthly image of hell. Wow. Okay, so <laughs> let's let's start there. Yeah, that's pretty. You know, uh, the ban on on cremation was um, reiterated in the 1880s because the Freemasons, who you know, and we forget, we think of oh, the French Revolution, 1789, but the the Freemasonic Revolution spread throughout the world. That's right. Uh, not only in Europe, you know, it was only in the in the late 19th century that Austria finally became, you know, uh, fell under the egalitarian spell, and most of South America was in that century. And and they were practicing uh, cremation specifically for the same reason that the pagans did to disdain the the doctrine of the resurrection of the body because you know Catholicism was uh, the enemy. So, but because of practical considerations, they do allow cremation again, like you said, so long as it doesn't demonstrate a denial right. in the faith of resurrection. But there's there's other restrictions, like you said, consecrated ground. Catholic burial practice calls for the remains to be buried. Either, you know, if you if you're, have your ashes, if your crema- you know, cremation cremains mm-hmm. should be placed in an urn and buried in the ground, just That's as right. if your body was in a coffin That's or right. placed in a mausoleum. Yep. Right. Uh, which, you know, full disclosure, we did that with our folks. Of course. My, my wife and I. But, you know, the priest is there. It's consecrated. The, you know, there's the, the graveside service, just as if they were being interred, uh, you know, with their body in the ground. Right. And again, scattering ashes or keeping them at home, even places where it's legal, because there's some places where it's not, you know, Sure. Uh, still today. But even where it's legal, it's not appropriate, uh, according, because of the church's reverence for the body is a place where the soul is resided. So, you know, it seems from a Catholic standpoint, you, you're, if you're not to scatter the ashes, then I would uh, submit to you that that would include 
uh, spreading them out amongst the family or putting them in jewelry, which just seems that seems so morbid to me. You know, it's macabre. It's like, oh, that's a lovely necklace. What is it? Oh, that's, you know, some of my grandma's remains. So it's like, okay, that's that's not a Catholic attitude. They've also made tattoos for from grandma's material for their daughter. Right. And I know I would I would uh, one more thing. Yeah. Well, holy smoke. They put their remains yeah. in the ink to yeah, make a tattoo out of exactly. it. Exactly. Yep. OK. It's crazy. Because, because it's about the respect due for for the body, because right. we break up the bodies of saints yep. and spread them all around the world. You know, sure. uh, obviously we don't scatter them, which would be, you know, sacrilegious. But but where are those remains kept? They're kept in altars. Yep. Right. In the altar stones of altars in the, where the holy sacrifice of the mass takes place, there couldn't be a more consecrated, more, you know, a holy place yeah. than that or, or a reliquary in a church. Absolutely. I wanted to recommend something. This is the seventh anniversary of the passing of Mother Angelica. Oh, and God rest I want to pray uh, for her soul because, you know what, if she's in purgatory, this is charity. This is what I want to leave on, Matt, before we say this prayer, that when your loved one dies— the first thing we do is have masses offered for the repose of their soul. Mm-hmm. And Correct. I see this hundreds of times here at the Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina with these funerals. People do not know that. Yeah, I remember reading a book shortly after I converted. Oh, I think it was by Father O'Sullivan. Mm-hmm. And he relates a story of a religious community yeah, oh, where there, there was a nun. She was so holy and so revered by all the, all the sisters, you know, that her they had her funeral and she was interred. And they were just convinced that she'd gone straight to heaven. Right. And they were not, as a result, they weren't offering masses for her. They weren't praying for the repose of her soul. And God allowed her to appear to them God, from the God. flames of purgatory just to say, please, please pray for me. Wow. And let's not uh, forget. Yeah, that's a powerful story. Let's not forget about the persecution of the church in Nicaragua and other countries around the world, China. Uh, This is something that we can all pray. Remember uh, this, Matt, and I know you know it, uh, what the most important issue is, is our sanctification. And so I'll ask you that question that I asked Jesse. What state should we be living in, brother? You should say in the uh, be living in the state of grace and never ever, not even you know driving through the state of mortal sin. And remember, Our Lady of Fatima said souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. What you mean? We can affect the souls in halfway around the world, the mystical body of Christ through our prayers? Yes. I don't care if you're four years old or 104. We all can participate in the salvific work of Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you to seriously consider, make everything a sacrifice, like Our Lady said, to the children in Fatima. We can participate in that. I want to thank Matt for filling in for Jesse. Today, Jesse will be back tomorrow, and may God richly bless you and your family.